Welcome to the nine, episode nine of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name's Tim Sullivan. With me, as always, is Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are adding a different element to the Digest with interviews and other such content, bringing voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. Last week, we fired up the bus and went down south to Southern Ohio. We were joined by Lee Mowen of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast and play-by-play announcer for the Centerville Elks and the Springboro Panthers. Lee was a great guest, giving us his thoughts from the announcing point of view. He has seen hockey from a different vantage point and is very knowledgeable about the players and has a pulse on hockey in Southern Ohio. It was great to talk to Lee. I really liked his knowledge of the players and not only just for the teams that he covers, but for all the teams in Southern Ohio and uh, you know how he knows uh, about those guys and gives them shouts out and all that good stuff. It was nice to talk to Lee. We were listening to some of Lee's broadcasts before interviewing him and I think he spoke with the same enthusiasm in the podcast that he did calling the games, which was pretty cool to hear. Um, like you said, he, he, he's enthusiastic. He definitely knows the players when we were asking about, you know, who are some of the hot players this past season and God, I think Lee took, took care of everything Columbus South. So he knows what he's talking about. And, and, you know, with his expertise on watching the game on, on calling the different games, either at the Federation level the Federation uh, Minor Pro or the Federation High School, he, he definitely has a good time, and he, he definitely gets that point across. For sure, man. His, he is definitely a uh, high-energy guy. Oh, yeah. uh, again, we talked about somebody like Doc uh, Emmerich calling you know, a root canal, and that, that could make it fun. You know, I could see Lee being that guy, you know, making anything that he calls a fun uh, atmosphere. Yeah, and I hope, this, uh, I hope all this uh, corona stuff lifts – or at least lifts enough that he can get back into calling baseball, which he definitely loves. And I got to be honest with you, if we get, if his league gets back there, I'm either going to watch one of those games or I'm going to try to find out how to stream one of those games. I want to hear his mm-hmm. call of it. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, we left Southern Ohio, got on the bus, and pulled into Oxford, Ohio, and we spoke with the head coach of Talawana Brave, Zach Sens. His first year as a head coach uh, back as, at his alma mater has to be something special. Trust me, I know how that goes. Posting a 31-win season in his first campaign. Great guy. Very fun interview. I loved his confidence in his players, and I loved his, his enthusiasm about making hockey better, but I also loved his confidence in saying, and not calling teams out or calling coaches out or calling leagues out, but just saying, hey, we're here. We're not a joke. Come play us. Well, you know, when – I mean, not to delve into our own past, but we wouldn't be where we were if we didn't have those guys take their chance on us to play us and yeah, we got beat up, but it made us better. Zach just wants everything. He just wants his team to be better. He wants to push them. He know he believes in what they can do. And I mean, did he call them out? Maybe, but why not? I mean, it's not, I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at him. I thought it was, listen, we would have done the same thing. Like, listen, in order to get to where you want to go, you got to be able to play, like he said, you got to be able to play the, the top tier teams in the state of Ohio. And whoever dic- 
dictates who that top tier is. I don't care. I'm not going to do it because it changes every year. Every team has the possibility of being a top tier team, right? You can go Absolutely. from the you can go from the penthouse to the outhouse in one year. But I really I really appreciate the fact that he said, "Hey, come down. I'm willing. To, if I get beat up, I get beat up. It is yep. what it is." And you're right, Jay. We did that. We did that for many years. Yeah. You know, and and it gets you to to where I I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm going to advocate to to try to get because Zach's a good dude, man. I really enjoyed talking to him. I'm going to really advocate to try to get uh, some games with with that guy, and just like we did with uh, New Albany, you know. Yep, absolutely. And and well, the one thing though, you know, I'm going to guard against Zach is maybe he starts taking our players too, thief. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I- I wonder if his if his roommate moved out yet. Yeah. Well, after if he would have listened to that podcast, there's a good possibility that he kicked the front door in before he left. So, hey, whatever, whatever. No, it was, it was a cool interview. It was a lot of fun. And and like you said, Zach is a great guy. And just to see the smile on his face when he was talking about his team was was a lot of fun. Definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed that interview, and I look forward to, to talking with Zach more, and you know, possibly getting into some tournaments and or whatever, running into him throughout the ranks and and. Uh, getting to know his team a little bit. He's doing some really good things down there, and we wish uh, Zach the best of luck. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast is brought to you by the Columbus Chill Youth Hockey Association. The CCYHA, the largest and most complete youth hockey program of its kind in central Ohio, is dedicated to the first-class development of youth hockey players in the area. Its mission is to instruct and enlighten players and include families and friends in a sportsman-like fun safe, and financially stable environment. Go to ccyha.org for more information. This week, we go on air on campus. We're in Columbus at The Ohio State University as we sit down with two Buckeyes spanning both genders. First, we sit down with a member of the WCHA champion Ohio State Buckeye women's hockey team to discuss her road to the NCAA Division I hockey and how the program continues to grow and set the standard for women's hockey in the NCAA. Padua Bruin alum Lindsay Wallace will join us. And, and then also that we're going to stay in uh, the Buckeye uh, country. Uh, we're going to talk to Ohio State men's hockey alumni and 12-year NHL veteran from the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Philadelphia Flyers, R.J. Umberger, joins us to talk about his career, his newest ventures, coaching with the Columbus Chill Youth Hockey Organization. It's going to be fun to have a good conversation with RJ about uh, his time, not only uh, growing up in Pennsylvania, then going to the national development program, then going to Ohio state and then to the uh, uh, NHL or the pro ranks, you know, and this, this guy did something crazy at Plum high school. He scored like 148 points in 48 games, just ripped it up. And again, he is the, you know, we talk about in order to move to the next level, You've got to be the best at whatever level you're at. This guy was. This guy did it. He I did mean, like it. you said, Plum High School. I got. I got it right here. Forty-eight games played, one hundred and eighty-seven points. Stop it. Okay, so he leads, and and, and this is something <laughs> we're going to ask him about. High school led the team in scoring, right? Led the team in points. Development. Uh, the the NDT, uh, NTDP or yeah, NTDP. He had. 132 points in like two, two and a half, three years. He goes to Ohio State, leads them in points all three years he's there. Leads the uh, Philly, uh, what is it, the, the Philadelphia uh, Phantoms when they were the American League team, led Phantoms. them in points. This guy's I mean, like, this, this guy's guy like, this, he, 
RJ is like the uh, equivalent in hockey to uh, Cal Sanders, Sanderson or whatever in, in wrestling. He just doesn't know what to do, but do be the best, right? Yeah. Man, and, it's, and, it, and, okay. It's going to be, a, I look forward to this conversation. I really do. He's, you know, we, we, we've been able to, to follow him and, you know, obviously being here in the state, but you know, what, what a career when you really dive into this guy's freaking career from high school to juniors to what a, holy man, this guy, he can do it. I look for that. And for him to come on our podcast. Wow. Well, yeah, we're definitely blessed with that. And, and to that, I guess to that, uh, everything I've read about him and everything I've heard about him, he's just a stand-up guy. You know, I was reading an article where uh, his old coach in high school, he would call him, or actually it was the assistant coach in high school, would call him and say, hey, if you have a break or you got something going on, would you mind stopping and talking to the boys? Well, he'd be out doing something for either Philly or Columbus, and next thing you know, he shows up. I mean, he's always generous with his time. Obviously, he's giving back and, and coaching at the youth level in Columbus. And it seems like all the all the good players, I mean, all hockey players in general are great people, but all the good players are just good dudes too. Yeah. And that's awesome. And that's across the board in, in, in the sport of hockey for sure. Well, what's going on with the boys here? Let's see. Uh, hopefully you guys had a, had a good week. Um Really, nothing's changed for me. Just same old, same old. I mean, I, it was good talking to you guys there for the last twenty minutes about hockey. And um, I don't know, Danny, what's going on with you? Uh, nothing really. Um, th- we've decided that the amusement park at the house probably needs to expand a little bit. So we've just been working on the house, getting it ready. Going to be putting it on the market here, trying to move. Oh, probably, you guys are going to move? Yeah, Ooh. probably in a month or so. Where are you guys? Where are you guys looking? Uh, Independence or like Brooklyn Heights area. Oh, they're gonna be suburbians, Jay. They're gonna be so, suburbians. Look, look, at, look at these guys. I, I, I actually, I actually thought the way he was talking, they were talking about uh, upping the uh, patrons to the amusement park, but apparently they're just looking to change location of said oh, amusement park. Oh, I look, thought that's where look, we were going. We're gonna have to go to the suburbs now and go and go visit Danny. <laughs> are they ready for the hump? Are they? Is the suburbs ready for the Humphreys? I mean, real question is: Are the suburbs ready for the hurricane? Oh, oh you, you said it. I did. Wow. Okay. Um, Apparently, we didn't. We didn't have that button fast enough to mute him out. But yeah, hey, that's yeah, his, that, he said yeah, I, it. I, I knew it was coming, but whatever. <clears throat> no. So we've just been working like, on the house. You know, touching up paint here and there, repainted the whole front porch and everything. So it's nice to. Uh, lock myself in the basement for a couple hours here and get a little break. That's good. That's nice. good. Lev, what about you? Uh, no, nothing much. Got a chance to see some of our players yesterday, which was very nice. Um, something out of the ordinary, at least in current situation. Um, we're just getting closer, man. We're getting closer to being able to do other things than stay home and wear a mask and sit at home and do everything day in and day out as all the same. But, you know, we're not go, we're not a political podcast, so no. I've done not too much. No, no, I agree. No, I agree. Um, you know, I don't think I said it last week, but I continue. I'll continue to say it this week. I want to thank all of our first responders, our nurses, our doctors, our uh, police and fire for what they do, um, especially uh, in this time of COVID nineteen. Uh, but uh, you know, things are are starting to get a little bit more normal. Yeah, you're right, Jay. We got to see some of our players yesterday uh, as they turn their equipment in. I mean. Man, it's what 
three months late, but we finally had the clearance to have them clear, uh, turn their equipment in. It was nice to see the guys, you know, different situation, you know, everyone was, was masked up and it's okay. I mean, that's, you know, if that's, if that's what it's going to take to get us back to the normal, then we'll be fine there. Well, it's time to jump into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey. The NHL is returning to play next month, skipping the end of the regular season and going right to a 2014 playoff that will be based in two hub cities. The Columbus Blue Jackets will play the Toronto Maple Leafs in a play-in series under the extended postseason format. I pose this question, fellas. What do you think of the resolution to the season by Gary Bettman and the National Hockey League? Um, I don't think they had any other choice to accept, you know, do what they're doing. Um, I, I don't think any decision was ideal, but, um, you know, I'm anxious to see how this is going to uh, look. Obviously, uh, they're going to go with no fans, correct? It's just going to be all televised stuff. As far as I know, correct. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what other else what else they could have done. I think it was a, a solution that was is going to get hockey going again and going to get the guys back on the ice and the pl- uh, fans watch some hockey. Yeah, I think that they were uh, – uh, uh, they wanted to get the season finished. Um, obviously, with the corona, COVID pandemic going on, there was no possible way to finish that season, uh, actual regular season. So, hey, this is a solution. It gets us a Stanley Cup. It gets us a winner. You know, they, I think they were into about 70-some 70, 70 games into the season. And, hey, they're going to get it finished. And whenever that is, at least we're going to have hockey. And it's going to be actually different and nice to have – hockey uh, NHL hockey being played in the summer months so that should be pretty cool Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kakalainen confirmed last week that the Columbus Hub City bid includes using Ohio State and the chiller rinks the Long Beach Sharks from Long Beach New York of the NA3HL have signed five players from the Cleveland area 2001 born defenseman Mark Tisdale from South Euclid Benedictine High School 2002 born goaltender Tristan Cotter from Elyria and Benedictine High School, 2002-born forward Will Holden from Lakewood High School in Team Ohio, 2001-born forward Matt Carson from Benedictine High School, and 2002-born goaltender Matt Holden, Will's brother, from Lakewood High School as well as Team Ohio. The Sharks are our Tier 3 Junior A team located in Long Beach, New York, on the southern part of Long Island. We hope to talk to Sharks general manager Jeff Torrey soon and hear more about the Cleveland connection for his club. Erie Otters defenseman Jamie Drysdale was named as one of the Ontario Hockey League's first team all-star defensemen for the 2019-2020 season. Drysdale, who produced 47 points in 49 games in his second season of major junior hockey and helped Canada to the gold medal at the 2020 IIHF World Junior Championship, is expected to be the first defenseman taken in the 2020 NHL entry draft. The Columbus Mavericks, who just completed their first season in the United States Premier Hockey League, have announced the first college advancement in franchise history. Alternate captain Mitch Gillespie will be playing for Kent State University's Division I ACHA team coming this fall. Gilmore Academy has established a full-season 16U Tier 1 team for the 2020-2021 season. The team will be open to local, national, and international 2004 and 2005 birth tiers. We'll play a 45 to 50 game schedule and we'll compete at the Mid-Am Regionals for a spot at USA Hockey Nationals. Gilmore's Director of Hockey, Michael Cellino, 
says the team will provide an option for younger kids interested in the prep school model. A big announcement coming out of uh, our program is we're going to be offering a full season 16U Tier 1 team next year. Um, this will be open for 2004 and 2005 birth years, both local and out of town. Uh, we felt it was a great opportunity to build off the success that we've had with our prep and varsity level teams to provide a high-end hockey option for um, younger kids um, that are kind of interested in the private school, prep school model with uh, combining high-end academics with also high-end hockey and development. Let's get to our first guest, a member of the Lady Buckeyes, WCHA champions, and a ROTC battalion commander from Padua High School, Lindsay Wallace. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast is brought to you by the Columbus Chill Youth Hockey Association with the mission to instruct and enlighten players and include families and friends in a sportsmanlike, fun, safe, and financially stable environment. Go to ccyha.org for more information. Our first guest is a member of the number four ranked Ohio State University women's hockey team. They are the first Buckeye team to win the WCHA championship with a one nothing overtime victory over Wisconsin. She played for Padua Bruins hockey team in high school. She played on the all-girls teams as well from Ohio to Connecticut. She's a three-time member of the WCHA all-academic all team, academic all-Big Ten team, Ohio State University scholar-athlete three years straight. She participated in the Hockey Day in Minnesota outdoor game this past season and completed her air assault school training. Please welcome on air, Ohio State University Battalion Commander, ROTC, Padua Bruin alum, goaltender, Lindsey Wallace. Welcome, Lindsey. Thank you. That's quite a resume. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely busy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we've gotten, uh, uh, Coach Love and I have gotten to see you play throughout your career with Padua and uh, before that with the, with the ladies and all that. And now we get to watch you and, and, and follow you as you're with Ohio State. But I think most importantly, though, as well as all the stuff you're doing outside of Ohio State hockey as well with the ROTC, your academics, all that, all that. And we're going to get to that soon. But um, you're a part of the culture change at Ohio State women's hockey team. What's that been like for you? And what, what has that meant to you, for you to be a part of that culture change, getting to number four in the nation this year? Um, I think it's been really, really cool to see just the transition from my freshman year to last year. And even we're starting to integrate the new freshmen for the next coming season into all of our conversations and chats now. And so seeing just how things have changed, how our programs changed, how the culture in the locker room changed and our attitudes have been really, really cool. Um, I definitely applaud the upperclassmen or the classmen, the classes before myself for that. And then also my class as well. And the new ones, I think we've all had such an impact on it. Um, our freshmen have come in for years now for the past few years now, just ready to go and so committed and so bought into our program that that's what really matters is if you're all bought in. And um, I think that's what really has changed our program around is we've bought into Coach Muzz's um, philosophies and her teachings and what she's telling us to do. And it's really making a difference both on the scoreboard and in the locker room. Has what has Coach uh, told you guys about what's going to happen next year? Is is everything everything normal? Is everything delayed? Like what is what with the COVID pandemic going on? What is uh, what do you know about when you guys can start back? Oh gosh, I don't think anyone knows anything yet. Um, it's all just a rumor mill right now. 
there's, I think we're first and foremost are waiting to see what the university does and how they're going to open. Um, cause that's going to play a huge role for us because we can't start until school starts. So aside from that, we're just, we're waiting for our chance to come onto campus and be able to resume training. Um, but until then we're just being told to stay in shape at home and to keep doing what we can do as gyms open up across the country and just utilizing our own body weight workouts and running workouts to stay in shape. But other than that, really nothing. We're just kind of in a period of limbo right now trying to figure out, I think football will be kind of the show and tell for every sport, honestly, to see how it goes for them. And it'll really dictate a lot for us. Right. Right. How, how do you think getting into hockey, how has the women's game changed during your playing days and how does it feel to be a role model for the next generation of, of young hockey players? Um, I th- I've loved how the game has changed and become so much more welcoming and exciting for females to play in. Uh, I remember when I first started playing, it was like, oh my God, there's a girl on that team. And now it's, I go to the rink and I see the mites playing or the little kids playing. And it's like, oh, four or five, half the team is girls. Like, and that's just normal. And I love seeing that. At, um, like, especially at such a young age, there's no difference in skill level or anything like that when they're that young. So seeing them play and learn and um, grow off of each other, I love to see it. And again, like I said, when I first started playing, it was like, oh my God, there's a girl. And as I grew up, like it was still kind of that way. I'd say in high school, I started seeing like high school boys. I saw quite a few more girls than I had in my past. And then playing on all girls teams like that, it was kind of the culture shock going from, oh my God, I'm the only girl on the ice to, oh, here's my whole team of females. Um, So I guess it kind of gave me both sides of the spectrum from that. And I think it'll be really cool for the girls growing up and playing hockey now to be able to be, to be able to just say, oh, I'm going to play hockey. I'm not going to play for my boys team. I'm not going to play for my girls team this weekend. I'm just going to play for my team. And I'm really excited to see that continue to grow. And I like you said before, like being a role model for them. I really don't see it like that. I just see it as we're hockey players and they're hockey players and we're just doing what we can to make it better for them. And like, that's all we're ever focused on is just improving the game and making it better for the next people to come. Well, I I can tell you this from, from experience, you are a role model to a lot of young ladies, uh, especially in the Cleveland area who used to watch you play for Padua. Um, I mean, I can tell you my daughters, I have two daughters and they would come to the games and we played against each other and they would always say, dad, I want to, I don't know who that goaltender, I'm like, that's Lindsay Wallace. I I just want to be like her. She's strong and good. So I will tell you that. And I, and the most important thing I did say to my daughter, I said, girls, she's an unbelievable person and she's unbelievable in that classroom as well. So that's, that's the most important part. What is, what's like, you know, so all these, there are a lot of boys and, and girls here in Cleveland or in the state of Ohio that would love to be a Buckeye, whether it's a hockey player, football player, or just a student. Um, but what's a typical day like for a student athlete like yourself on the women's Buckeye hockey team? Um. First and foremost, I would just say, if you want to be a Buckeye, absolutely try to. I love my school. I love everything about it. Um, But a typical day for me would be I wake up in the morning. And so since I'm in ROTC, it's not so typical to a typical student athlete. It's atypical, but this is my my usual day. Um, I wake up in the morning early for PT, which is physical training for the Army. Uh, At like 6 is when it starts. So I wake up at like 5.30. Um, I go to workouts in the morning for like an hour, I shower and then I go classes kind of start at 8am depending on your schedule. And as a student athlete, um, 
you usually do morning classes because we practice in the afternoon. So we do classes from like 8 a.m. until 1.30, 2-ish. Um, and then we're right to the rink from there. And we'll have any, any depending on the day, we'll either have lift and practice or just practice. And that can be two hours. It could be four hours. Like I said, it depends if we're lifting and practicing. You also have video in there in that practice block. Um, so our practice block is from two to six. And then after that, we finish, we eat. Um, we always eat together after practice. And then you go home, you do homework, and you go to bed early and get ready to do it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. yeah. All right, well, I'm, I'm, ti- I'm tired right now. You just gave me your schedule. I'm already tired, so. Yeah. You, you don't get to stay up and watch, uh, uh, like, a Netflix show until 2 in the morning? No? No? That's what usually <laughs> I personally you. don't. My roommates, on the other hand, they get to stay up a little later than I do because okay. they're not waking up so early. But <laughs> <laughs> right. To get to your season, Lindsay, you start the season out winning your first three games over Bemidji State, Minnesota Duluth, Colgate. How important was it for you to get out to that hot start? How important was it for the team to get out to that hot start? I think that hot start was definitely a big confidence boost for us. We had lost some pretty good players from our team from that senior class the year prior. So seeing how we came in fit and strong and just ready to play and our new freshmen had like integrated so well into our team so that those first few wins really just kind of gave us a huge confidence boost that really propelled us into the rest of the season, I think. Nice. We, uh, we had the chance to talk to Shauna Conway uh, about a month ago, uh, and she talked to us a lot about uh, the, the women's game. Now, you know, we had the opportunity to watch you play on a predominantly boys team uh, in high school. Uh, you also took the opportunity, opportunity to play for the Ohio Flames and the Connecticut Southern Stars as well. Um, Shauna talked about how important it was uh, for the overall experience for the girls to play on, a, on an all-girls team as well. What's your thoughts on that? I think the all-girls teams and then playing on the boys' teams, I think they both have their perks and benefits, and then they both have their drawbacks as well, personally. Um, I think playing on the boys' team as a goaltender, it helped me develop my speed a little bit more, um, especially in the high school age. Like It's just the fact boys can shoot a little harder sometimes and they skate a little faster. Um, but then going to a girls team, I think it was super, super helpful for me to learn that more social aspect of it. And then as well as girls, I think are more of a tactical and methodical player. Um, I sometimes like to describe it as boys are the ones they like to hit. They like to go in hard. They like to shoot fast and maybe not always accurate, but they'll smack it as hard as they can. Um, whereas the girls are welcome. Welcome to our life. Lindsay. (laughs) Yep. The girls are more of, I'm going to make three, four passes and try to move it around you before I shoot it. So I think as a goaltender playing in both of those different situations really helps me grow my games in different ways that helps me in the long run. Cause when you get to college, the girls can shoot just as hard as the boys I faced in high school and they're just as smart as the top girls I faced in high school. So um, I think it helped me really just bring it all together and it helps me be successful in college. How, how did you, for lack of better terminology, how did you stay so mentally strong in the boys game? Because as you know, they want to go 200 miles an hour. Well, they go about a hundred miles an hour and they want to run smack dab into somebody into the boards. And sometimes you were in between that being the goaltender. 
how, and I'm, I'm sure there were things said, I mean, yes, you can hear people talking to each other on the ice, but how, how you, you were never phased. I mean, we, we must've seen you, I don't know, let's say a half dozen times over the course of years, every time you would pass us in the tunnel or on the ice or anything like that, smiling, happy, not phased. I mean, how did you make, how did you get to that level of mental toughness that it, it's, it, it's a game. I'm here to play it. I'm here to have fun. And the rest of it, you guys are just stupid. <laughs> I think it's exactly that. Honestly, like I just love playing hockey. And so I would just like, that's what mattered to me. I was happy. I was on the ice. I didn't care what people were saying around me. Honestly, half the time, if they said something to me to try to throw me off my game, I just laughed. It was funny. It <laughs> made me laugh more than anything. Like, um, so I think that mental toughness just came from the love of the game. Like it didn't matter what somebody said to me. It wasn't going to change how I played. It wasn't going to change who I am. Um, if anything, it just made them look bad. It didn't affect me at all. And I definitely have been on the receiving ends of it, both physically and mentally. Like people have made comments to me. I got laid out <laughs> a game by, I was kind of by accident, kind of not really not sure still. Um, but that's when you just lean on your teammates and my, the, my guy teammates and, at Padua, they were phenomenal. Like to this day, I'd still consider them some of my best friends that I had in high school. And even now I'm sure I could text any one of them and be like, Hey, want to hang out? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's go. Like, what do you want to do? So, um, they were just my best friends and that's what it matters at the end of the day. Like your team hockey itself is about your team and how well your team is and how well that's formulated and the friendships you form is honestly translates so much into the real game. And I also, so I think that's why we're so successful at OSU because we're such good friends and like we genuinely care about each other and how it's how your day is going and how your life is going and that translate on the ice translates to the ice and I think you can see it and how successful we were. Oh, absolutely! I mean, you guys finished four in the country. You beat Wisconsin in, in overtime to to win the WCHA, WCHA championship. Um, coronavirus hits. The COVID nineteen virus hits. From my understanding, you guys were a uh, partial team set up or at the at the airport already to travel to Minnesota for your first round game at NCAA's. Yes, correct? yes, that's and correct. And you guys were there when you were at the airport, ready to go to first round when they let you know that the season is going to be postponed and later canceled. What what is going through you guys' minds? What is what is the feeling amongst the team? So that, actually, that I out. was not at either the airport or the rink at that time waiting. I had gone into emergency gallbladder surgery. So I was not traveling either way to uh, the Frozen Four, which was really upsetting for me. So I think that just made it even harder for me because I was at the hospital while my team was split in two different locations. So I was just like constantly texting people from both locations, going any update, any word, what are the coaches saying? And the, I just kept getting the same feedback. We don't really know what's happening right now. Um, we're just waiting to see what they say. And then they got that text saying, we're all going back to the rink right now. Um, coach has something to say to us. And so that's, I think, when it kind of all began to sunk in because they, they had my team leave the airport. And um, it was just so heartbreaking. Like, we were on such a hot streak. Like, we knew we were going to win NCAAs. Um, like heck, like you said, we had just beaten Minnesota in overtime and we had just beaten Wisconsin in overtime. Like we had beaten the best teams and we were ready to do it again at frozen four. And it was just heartbreaking. Wow. Wow. So you're everything, you're healthy now and everything with the, the gallbladder yes, surgery? It was, 
yes, it was such a freak accident. Like we still, the doctors were so confused. I was so confused, but we're fine now. We're good. Okay. All right. That's good. <laughs> good, good. So, so going into your senior year, um, your uh, ROTC training, you become a battalion commander, maintaining your hockey training, uh, continuing your army training. What, what is, what does the summer now look like for you? Um, you know, I, I guess that, that might be a, I don't know if it's a silly question because I don't know if you're still trying to rehab or come back on the men, but what does the summer look like for you? Um, so it definitely changed a lot once Corona hit. So as battalion commander and just in ROTC in general, I was supposed to have a month long training during summer that would have taken, that would have been at Fort Knox. But since this all happened, the army chose to cancel that and substitute it with a different form of training. So now I have a week long training at the end of June. Um, to kind of be the culminating training for ROTC. And then as battalion commander, we're just constantly planning. So I have like a meeting every week with our leaders and cadre and we're planning and getting ready for next semester. And just again, waiting on university guidelines and um, procedures to come out and reopening information to keep planning (laughs) so that we're ready for the upcoming um, spring or fall semester. But then again, summer, summer for me, Aside from all of the ROTC stuff is just training. Um, I got a membership at a gym. So we started our official summer training, training packages or official summer training packets this week. So um, we're starting the grind right now and we're going to come back strong and ready to show what we didn't get to finish out this year. So if, if this is, let's say it's a non-COVID-19 era, which I hope we never go through it again, but um, do you do you normally come back to Cleveland in the summertime or do you stay down in Columbus and train down there? And, and... Um, last summer, I came back because I had an internship in Georgia, but this summer I was going to go back to Columbus. I had a study abroad planned for South Africa that got canceled and then... I was going to, there's like a three week period before my summer training for the army. I was going to come back and train at OSU, um, with our strength coaches and their on ice stuff we have. Um, but that got canceled. So now I'm just at home training. Are you going to be able to, uh, do that, uh, abroad, uh, study in South Africa as soon as it's all breaks or is that just lost? I kind of think at this point it's lost because they only offer it in the summertime. Uh. So Next year, I'll be graduating, so I'm not really going to be a student anymore. So I don't think the option's really there anymore, unfortunately. Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you, you spoke on your ROTC program and being the battalion leader. What's been your favorite part of training, and why did you choose the ROTC program? Um, I think there's twofold to that question. My favorite part of training on campus, I would say, is our Tuesday labs that we do. Um, that's where we kind of get to do real army stuff in a sense, still on campus, but that's where we learn our tactics and we actually get to lead our peers and make it as realistic as possible that we're running actual battle drills in different army situations. So I think that's my favorite part of training on campus. And then aside, like in real army world, my favorite part of training was for sure air, air assault school. I absolutely loved it. Um, just being in that setting of like that strict um, just guidelines and attention to detail and focus on doing things correctly because it matters and it's life or death in some situations. I really, really enjoyed that and just learning and it was pretty awesome. So Uh, before we're to move on to uh, away from the ROTC and and get into another hockey question, but before we do that, I do have 
I guess, a question about the ROTC and, and your, you know, involvement with the Army. What What is, like, what's that, are you looking to go into that full time? Are you looking to, you know, what is your path with that? Um, so right now, as an ROTC cadet, you could either go reserves, National Guard, or active duty when you graduate. Um, I am stuck between reserves and active duty right now. I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. Um, because of vet school. So I'm an animal science major hoping to get into veterinary school once I graduate. And it kind of makes it a little sticky situation because if I choose to go active and then I don't get into veterinary school on my first try, then I have to go to the, um, go into the army active duty for four years before I can reapply to vet school. But if I go reserves and I apply to vet school and I don't get in on my first try, then I could try again the following year and not have to wait four years. So I'm still just kind of um, feeling out my resume for vet school right now and trying to figure it out. But um, ideally, I'd love to go active duty, but we're just still figuring it out. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So back on the hockey front here, and, and obviously we're going to bring it back a little bit back home here. Obviously, there's no all-women's Ohio High School Athletic Association League, uh, and there's no actually all-women's team in the high school level. You have your Gilmore prep team, but – Nothing at the Ohio High School Athletic Association. And we did talk to Sean about this as well, and I want to get your aspect on this. Um, what, first of all, how do you think the women's game has changed, and what would you like to see happen to create a division in the state of Ohio? Is it, can, can we do it? I think we can. But you know, what's your thoughts on creating a division for just women's hockey at the high school level here in the state? Um, I definitely think that would be huge progress in women's game and in hockey in general. I guess you would kind of first and foremost have to look at the numbers and see if we have enough females in the area to sustain a league. Um, but I think if there are, then that would definitely be an awesome thing to see because I'd say it's at the high school level that you really start seeing differences in um, just male and female ability. And so, and also it helps for recruiting so much. I think that was one of my biggest um not downfalls, but just the biggest things that hurt me was that I chose to play on a, like more of the men's team instead of going to a prep school where I could play on a strictly women's team. Um, and that really hurt my ability to be recruited. Um, so I think forming a female league would really help this area in college recruitment and just that whole aspect in general. Right. Well, Lindsay, I, I have to say that, you know, it's, it's been nice catching up with you. We haven't talked in, in probably three, four years, but um, the impressiveness of your uh, resume that you're building is, is unbelievable. Continue to be that role model that you are to a lot of young uh, women and, and boys in this town. Trust me, you are. Um, and good luck. I'm glad you're feeling better. Didn't know you had the gallbladder surgery. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, good luck in the summer and training and, and going into next year. And, uh, you know, if I ever need a vet in the future, I'll make sure I call you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on today, for sure. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. Hey, take care. Have, have a nice one. Thank you. Continuing in Buckeye Nation, it's time to sit down with 12-year NHL veteran and Ohio State alum, R.J. Umberger. Our next guest put together an impressive 12-year NHL career, drafted 16th overall, in the 2001 NHL entry draft by the Vancouver Canucks. He has been a constant point getter everywhere he's been, from high school to the National Team Development Program, CCHA Rookie of the Year in 2001, to leading the Ohio State Buckeyes in points for three years consecutively. A top 10 finalist for the 
Hobie Baker Award. He played in the Philadelphia Flyers and the Columbus Blue Jackets in the National Hockey League and helped lead the Blue Jackets to their first ever playoff appearance. He is currently coaching the Columbus Chill Youth Organization. The 2012 Plum High School Sports Hall of Fame inductee in 2019, the Ohio State Athletics Hall of Fame inductee, and the 2020 Pennsylvania State Hall of Fame inductee from Plum Borough, Pennsylvania. Please welcome on air, R.J. Umberger. Welcome, R.J. Hey, thanks for having me. That's uh, quite the intro there. Thank you. Well, as we say to the, uh, uh, all of our guests that have uh, impressive intros, I just read it. You did it. So congratulations on all, what, all that you have accomplished. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a ride. And uh, when you start looking over that stuff, it uh, brings back a lot of fun memories. So good stuff there. Where, where's Plumborough, Pennsylvania, compared to like Pittsburgh or Erie or uh, Philly? It's about 20 minutes uh, east of the city of Pittsburgh. Okay. So just a little a suburb of, uh, of Pittsburgh. So growing up outside of Pittsburgh, uh, you probably catch the hockey bug watching Lemieux and those teams growing up. What was hockey like in Plumborough and the surrounding areas when you started playing? Well, definitely. It's not like what it is there now. I mean, it was, uh, you know, not a lot of kids played hockey. Um, you know, the kids my age or before me played, you know, football or, or baseball and um, hockey was new, but you know, I remember being a you know six-year-old kid, and um, you know, just sitting down and watching Penguin games with my father. And I remember, you know, where I was at in the living room, just sitting in front of that TV, literally two, three feet away from it. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. I was so um, just amazed by it. And you know, Mario was was everything for hockey in Pittsburgh. And you know, I, that's why I started started following hockey and. and just one day told my dad, like, Hey, let's go, let's go try skating someday. You know, I want to, I want to try to learn how to play. And, and then, you know, that's kind of where it started. Just went to the local rink one Friday night and, and put on skates and never, never stopped from there. Yeah. We had a, uh, one of Mario's teammates on, uh, Ian Moran a couple weeks back. And, uh, you know, it was good to talk to him about his, his time in Pittsburgh as well. Uh, so obviously Pittsburgh has been just booming with hockey now, uh, so were you able to attend a lot of the pro games growing up? Yeah, so my dad did uh, construction work. He was a general contractor and he owned part of a small business with his brother. And um, he would be fortunate, you know, seven, eight, nine times a year. He would get tickets from his customers. Um, they would they would pass them down. So he'd come home and surprise me with tickets and we'd go to games. And, um, you know, those were, those were fun memories, um, you know, going to Penguin games and, and just being able to learn hockey and see it uh, in person. You attend Plum High School. You put up 187 points in 48 games played. Ridiculous, by the way. Ridiculous. <laughs> that's just, that's just Stupid. That, like, that's, that's gross. <laughs> you move on to the National Team Development Program, 132 points in your time there. At what point did you know or did you think that a pro career was in your future? Uh, I think when I was in high school, I didn't think that yet. I mean, it was, it was a dream, obviously a dream. I've always wanted to play um, pro, but you know, I was in high school, in early years of high school, ninth and 10th grade, when I played at Plum, it was more about, I wanted to get a division one scholarship. That was kind of my, my ultimate goal. And then, um, after my sophomore year, I played with Plum and then I also played a travel program, the Pittsburgh Hornets that led me to the U S uh, national program. And once I got there, um, 
you know, I was this unheard of kid from Pittsburgh. So, you know, I started playing against kids, you know, playing with kids from Minnesota, Michigan, Massachusetts, I mean, everywhere. So, um, and I was doing, I did really well. And, you know, I, I, I stacked up well, um, and had success right away. And, and I think once that happened, you know, I started to hear, you know, the talk of, okay, this, this kid's going to be a, a, you know, NHL draft pick. And, so I quickly started to get into the mind frame, like, you know, I've got a you know a long-term plan here to, to, to go out and achieve. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, <laughs> I'm still stuck on the 48 games played. Sorry. I have a question. Are you, what year, how old were you when you did that? Oh, uh, I played ninth and 10th grade in, in high school. So um, I think ninth grade year um, I had around, I think, I, I forget how many points it was 60 or 70 or something like that. Um, I, I got, I missed the end of the year. I got hurt, uh, broke a collarbone. So I missed a few games. And then the next year, my sophomore year, I led all of, um, you know, Western Pennsylvania in high school, in scoring in high school. It was like, a, I think 116 points. So, um, we had a good team. We, we won our league title. We lost in States. Again, I got hurt. I hurt my back. Um, missed, you know, the final run there in the, in the state playoffs, but those were fun times. It was, um, you know, memories of where my classmates got to see me play. They didn't understand the travel. They didn't know what that was about. Um, luckily in Pittsburgh at the time, a um, little different than Ohio right now is you were allowed to play both high school and travel. So, you know, I did the travel. That was where, um, you know, a lot of my development had happened. And, uh, you know, the high school was for fun and to play for your school. Sure. Sure. Were you, did you play against teams like Meadville, Erie, Cathedral Prep, all those teams? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, more in my in my my uh, conference it was like central catholic and but uh when you get to we did play i think um we played a couple of Erie teams i can't remember which ones but as you go into the states further down yes you, you run into them i think it's changed a little bit more now um they kind of moved some teams around but yeah it's uh you eventually Erie cathedral you know those were the teams that you, you had to get through to get to the end Gotcha. So you go to the national, uh, the NTDP, uh, and it's, it's not, I don't want to say infancy, but you know, kind of it's infancy and, and you played there. What was the atmosphere like in Ann Arbor that got you ready to play at Ohio state? And I, and I do want to say this, I find your career to be kind of funny because you're in Pittsburgh area and then you go to Ann Arbor and you end up in Columbus, right? So you got the, the three hated areas of each other in the States and, and you end up in Columbus. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Uh, you know, just to touch on that. You know, it's pretty wild of where I played my whole life. Um, you know, also add Philly into there, and I really was never a car ride away for my family. It's it's wild. Like hockey career can take you all over the map. I mean, it could have easily been in uh, you know Western Canada or or wherever or Minnesota. But I was always close, and um, you know, it was just pretty neat for my family, my parents, to be able to see me play constantly. But um, yeah, so when I got to Ann Arbor, it was um, it was the second year of the program. And at the time when I was a uh, sophomore in high school, it was, you know, parents and I kind of sat down and and we're like, you know, when do I decide to move on? And, and we weren't going to move on to juniors or anything at that point yet, unless it was the, the national program. That was the only thing that my parents were going to allow me to leave at 16 for. And when I got the opportunity for that, it was couldn't pass it up. And, you know, like I said, you got there, you were with 20 best kids in your age and 20 of the best kids a year older and all, you know, going to the same schools. Um, we're living with a host family. 
Um, we, you know, we go to the rink after school, we practice every day, we work out, we had, uh, you know, strength coaches working with us. We did boxing. We, um, you know, had top rated coaches on the ice. We had a lot of times the NHL guys would stop in and they, they would come on the ice with us. So, I mean, it was the best of the best and the development was, um, was amazing. And, and we played against kids that were, you know, we played in a, a junior league at the time. So I was playing against kids up to 21 years old when I was 16. So it was, uh, it was as good as it got at the time. So after the development team, you commit to Ohio State. You lead the team in points all three years. You earn CCHA Rookie of the Year honors, a top 10 finalist for the Hobie Baker Award. I mean, basically, you just absolutely torched the NCAA. <laughs> what or who do you credit with helping you achieve such success? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, obviously, you had to do the work. Yeah. But who who guided you to that level of success? Well, obviously, you know, your teammates are a big part of it. Um, we had a, a great group of teammates at Ohio State that were, you know, my friends today that I still hang out with, and a lot of them are in Columbus. So um, if you don't have a group that you get along with so well on the ice it, and off the ice, it just doesn't work, and it, and it did there. So that was one thing. Um, both the coaches – uh, John Markle and Casey Jones both believed a lot in me. Um, you know, Casey was a big reason why I chose to go to Ohio State. I kind of knew him when I was younger um, in some of my amateur hockey. Um, he was involved with the Mid-Am District quite a bit. So I, I knew him quite a bit. And, and, and just, um, you know, I, I felt uh, I felt comfortable going to Ohio State that they were going to help me. They were going to put me in a situation where I, I could go out there. And and I wanted the pressure. I wanted, uh, I wanted to be put where, you know, let's put a lot of it on my shoulders and let's, let's go, you know, like, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be thrown into, into the, the fire right away my freshman year. And, um, you know, they allowed me to do that. They allowed me to go out there and play. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I think the experience just helped me develop. So obviously ahead, that did, obviously that did. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and you wanted that pressure, you're obviously, obviously the mental toughness of one leaving home at 16, going to a program, obviously it's a national program, USA Hockey, national team development, living at a host family at 16, and you become rookie of the year, CCHA, top 10 finalist, Holby Baker in your junior season. I mean, I've, I, I, I like literally, RJ, I apologize for sounding like a bumbling fool right now, but <laughs> In, in doing the research, I was so impressed with everything that you've accomplished and basically just hats off to you. I, I apologize for rambling here, but no, thank you. Thank you. And that's the, and that's the kind of the, the double-edged sword with a, with a, you know, a person like myself and a person like, uh, you know, what it takes to get to the NHL. There's a lot of us that are the same way. We're so competitive. We're so driven that we're never satisfied. You know, I always had such high expectations and such high goals and, you know, I want to achieve so much and, and do so much and, you know, I can look back and think I could have done more. I could have done this, could have done that. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't achieve this. I would have done this differently. And, that, and that's the, the crazy part about it. We're just uh, so competitive and so driven that, um, you know, that's how we're able to, to achieve those types of things. A competitive guy like yourself, uh, for our listeners, we talked before we got on the air about uh, RJ was doing a little gardening today. So a competitive guy like you, I, I would imagine you get, you get pissed as hell when you don't get like 20 peppers instead of 10, you know? <laughs> Well, you know, so I get the garden ready and nothing going for my wife and then she takes it over and you know, I, if 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 they don't make it then that's kind of on her. So, I mean, she's yeah. going to go take care of it afterwards. She needs to go make sure it's getting watered and 
and get the kids involved and help out. But um, yeah, so, but you know, pretty much anything though, you're on the right track though. I pretty much will make anything a competition. Yeah. So unfortunately we know the NHL is, is a game that, that, guys like yourself that made it there it, love playing the game, but it is a business as well. And uh, when you were drafted in 2001 by the Canucks, you, you kind of learned the harsh realities of the business uh, end of the game right away, but you ended up signing with Philly, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a wild, wild turn there events. Um, probably not the way you want to start your career. Uh, I know at the time I look back at it and I, you know, I'm kind of amazed myself how I was able to stick through that. And again, the mental toughness, uh, you know, is brought up right there. Um, and I did believe in my, my agents quite a bit, um, you know, what we were all discussing. And, and at the time, you know, I was ready to move on after my junior year and it really, you know, everybody agreed. Vancouver agreed, Ohio state coaches agreed and, you know, our, and we agreed it was time for me to move on. And, and then just the contract negotiations got off to a rocky start. And then once they got off to a rocky start, um, you know, I couldn't go back to school. I was basically had, I lost my eligibility. Um, and if I would have went back to school for my senior year, I would have been in the same position position the next year, you know, going the same type of negotiation. So um, as a college NCA student, you really had no leverage. You had nothing that you could really do to, help your situation. You know, they pretty much dictated it. Um, I wasn't getting fair value and that's all it was for me was, it was getting fair value. What was, you know, what I, I thought was fair and what others have gotten. Um, and in that first round that year, you know, everybody was getting the rookie max. It was just plain and simple. And they were offering me, you know, quite a bit less. And I just didn't think that was fair. And um, I stuck to my principles and, and then it got a little personal at the time. And, um, I was unfortunately had to sell the whole year and then I sat out the only way I could become a free agent was if I didn't play hockey. So I had to make that decision and everybody thought I was ruining my career. I had a lot of backlash from it. I, I went to the U S program. I worked out for half a year, um, just, just skated with them, trained. And then when it got to the point where I figured out that it wasn't going to happen, I went back home and just stayed ready. And my, my philosophy when I looked at it was I kept telling myself a lot of players get hurt. They have a knee injury. They lose a whole year. I had the knee injury without the knee injury. Yeah, right. I lost a year, but I was healthy as could be. I was stronger. I was faster. I was more motivated. So I used that to, to fuel me. And and one other big thing, too, was my agents uh, predicted it right on the nose. They, they, they predicted the lockout. They predicted that we were going to lose an NHL year. And when I, you know, the following year, I would have been starting in the minors no matter what. And in that minors year was going to be the best minors years ever because there's going to be so many NHL guys down in there yeah. and I would need to be playing in that year anyway. So they predicted it right. And you know, that's what happened. You know, I, I think it's, <clears throat> it's, you know, we've, we've talked to a lot of different levels from NHL down to high school and college and junior people on this podcast before. And there's one thing that everyone talks about and they talk about that mental toughness. And if you believe in, if you believe in what's right, then it's right. And, and that was, this is a great uh, scenario there. And I'm glad that you shared that story with us uh, because there's young hockey players out there. And it doesn't even need to be hockey. It can be whatever. And as long as you believe what is right and you, and you stick to those convictions, then it, then you're doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, in, 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 in the day, it, you know, it worked out for me. So the story ended up good. Um, but like you said, it's, it's, it's about sticking up for what you believe. I, you know, and I, and I had, you know, the, the values and the principles that I believed in. And then when it got personal and when some shots were called at on me because I wasn't signing the, the contract or, or whatever the offer 
um, that just weren't true about my family's values and upbringings. And that's where it got real personal. And I just decided that I wasn't going to, going to play there. So. Well, good. I mean, you, yeah. you spoke earlier how your family is, is very uh, important to you as should be. And, and the, the, who you surrounded yourself with being at Ohio state, the group was good and your, you and your family were good and, and your you trusted your agents that just proves that what people say in life doesn't matter. People are going to say crazy stuff all the time. You believe in, in, in your circle and your circle helped guide you where it needed to be. Obviously you end up signing in Philadelphia, um, still in Pens- still in Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, not Pittsburgh. However, what was that time in your life? Like, so that was wild. Cause you know, uh, I had, two teams I was really considering, you know, at this point when this all happened, it, it became almost like NCAA recruiting visit all over again, because now I'm a like free agent. And, um, at a time where you're not supposed to be a free agent and I, I you know, I was a first round pick. So, you know, I had several teams that were, you know, were, were trying to recruit me and, um, I narrowed it down quickly to Toronto and Philadelphia. And I went into visits and, and met with the GMs and, and, you know, they went to dinner and, you know, met with the coaches. So it was really wild. It was a recruiting visit for the NHL. And, um, I decided on Philly. I just felt right. Um, you know, I met with Hitchcock and I met with Bob Clark and just the two of them. I just felt what that organization, the, the way they were going, the, what I could learn there. Um, it just felt right. I woke up the next day and, and signed there. And, you know, obviously my first four years in Philly, you know, paved the way for my NHL career. And, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So was it during a lockout year you ended up back at Ohio State coaching? Um, the second lockout year, yes, okay. the second one. So there's two lockout years. The first lockout year was my first year playing pro hockey, and then that's where I played in the HL and uh, with the Calder Cup with the Phantoms. And then uh, the second lockout, you know, I was with Blue Jackets at the time, and I, um, okay. Okay. I, I stuck I stuck in the city and, and helped out the Buckeyes. Did you always know that you wanted to coach at some point? And did that experience of, of working with Ohio State, with coaching with Ohio State, did that benefit you both as a player and the future coach? Yeah, it was um, – well, I, I've always known that I, you know, I love hockey and I love being involved. So, I mean, coaching just always seems like kind of the easy, the easy progression, right? So um, that, that year of being able to experience, um, you know, three months of, of coaching and being around the coaches and seeing – a little bit what happens, even though it was only the college level, um, it gave me an interesting perspective of what goes into decisions and what coaches talk about and, you know, the amount of stuff they have to consider. And, and when things are made as a decision, it's not because of one person. It, it really honestly affects it's for the outlook of the whole team. You know, decisions as a player, sometimes you feel like, well, you know, that's personal or that that decision was made just because on me or against me or whatever. But you know, like all those decisions happen because it's for the greater good of the team. And it's, and it's so much easier to see that when you're seeing it from the coach's perspective. I, as a coach, I, I thank you for saying what you just said, because that, that that's, that's uh, crucial. You end up back in Columbus. <clears throat> it's like your second home as a Buckeye. Now you are playing for the blue jackets. You're with them. Your fir- their first uh, playoff appearance in 2009. How was that like coming back to to Columbus, playing for the Blue Jackets? Probably had a pretty good fan base uh, uh, there, and now you're you're taking them uh, in a building with supportive fans as Ohio State grad or Ohio State player. 
and making them, you know, go to the uh, playoffs. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. You know, the, the six years I spent in Columbus or in my eyes, the highlight of my career is uh, the most fun I had. It, it's just the most meaningful part of my whole career. Um, but I, I, I was just coming off of, um, you know, my third NHL season in Philly, we just went to the conference finals. I had um, one of the best series you know, possible against Montreal and um you know, really Philadelphia came down to just, they had too many free agent contracts and they could, they couldn't sign everybody and decided to trade me my rights to, to Columbus and Columbus signs me then. So when that all kind of happened, it was all happened so quickly. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to think. My mind just kind of was, it happened on draft day of that, that summer. And, um, I was actually traveling down South for vacation and, and, and got wind of it. It was met up with some friends and kind of just all happened quickly. And, and then you start like, you know, thoughts go in your head, like where you're going and everything. And then it's like, well, you know, I, I already know Columbus, but then I started thinking, well, you know, now I'm back to like, you know, where I, I was and, and all my friends that are there and everything. And it just, this could be fun. And, you know, quickly it came to Ohio state or kind of back to Columbus and it just felt right from the moment. Um, you know, I got off to a good start and I think, um, you know, easily everyone connected me to Ohio state. So I had that, um, connection already. And, and, um, you know, once that first year happened, we, we played, we did well. We went to the playoffs, like you said. I think the fans connected with the way I was playing, um, the grittier style of hockey. Um, and it just, uh, it just, it just worked. And like I said, I immediately fell in love with Columbus again and knew that um, I started to raise a family at that time too and knew that I was going to stay in Columbus forever. So you got, you, you, you end up getting traded back to Philly, coincidentally for Scott Hartnell, who came to Columbus. Um, it's toward the end of, end of your playing career. Injuries were forcing you to miss some time at that time. Um, did the injuries make it easier or more difficult to retire? So, I, yeah, it made it difficult. I mean, like no player ever really just wants to, to be done. And I think at the time when I when I left uh, Columbus, I was still coming off a pretty decent year. Um, you know, maybe could have been better, but I, you know, I still think I had like 18 goals that year. Um, I thought I had a lot of good hockey left into me, but when I got to Philly, I was dealing with a hip injury and a back injury that um, played me for half of that previous year. And, you know, I just didn't, you know, share it enough and I didn't look to get it fixed. And um, I, I tried, I tried hiding it and I tried playing just through the pain because that's kind of the, you know, the mantra that I had, you know, play through things. And um, I got to Philly and, you know, I, that year just didn't go well. I didn't play well. Um, nowhere near expectations. And I finally decided to end the year um, with probably about 20 games left and, and get surgery and, and everything. And, you know, at that point, the damage was already done. I had, I, I, you know, beat my body up enough and, um, you know, then came back for one more season with Philly. But, um, you know, I, I had worked myself out far enough and, and I was battling too many too much injuries like my game my skating wasn't the same uh, my speed was had dwindled and um, I just wasn't the same player so you know when Philly decided to buy me out there you know it was a tough reality of you know you feeling like you can still play and you know you know teams not thinking you can so um, you know retirement was was the next thing and you know it was tough you know because you still think you could play but your body tells you something different. Sure, sure. So you make your uh, home in Columbus now with your family. You're a very big part of the hockey community, obviously, there with Ohio State and the Blue Jackets. Um, now you're involved with the Columbus Chill Youth Organization or Association. Can you can you 
uh, speak to us about your involvement with that group. Yeah, so um, one of the players I, I grew up or I played with Ohio State is Dave Caruso. And Dave is, uh, you know, everyone of everyone in here in Columbus, Ohio, with youth hockey, he's involved in everything. So um, he's now just he's working with USA Hockey, too, um, in a big time job. So um, Dave quickly grabbed me and uh, brought me into the coaching ranks with him at um, the Columbus uh, blue jacket, uh, AAA program. So I worked with him for two years as his assistant and just kind of, you know, he, he kind of taught me a little bit and, uh, we did it together, had some fun and, um, you know, he just, it was a way of me seeing if it's what I wanted to do. If I wanted to be into the youth coaching and, and it, I definitely enjoyed it. And, um, Dave had is, is, you know, runs had kind of started this, uh, Columbus chill program. It's for the high school kids. It's, um, you know, a pre post kind of a season thing where, we work with them in the fall, in, uh, the fall before their high school season starts, and we work with them in uh, the spring when their high school season um, ends. And so he started that, and I quickly joined on. And you know, we both run it together now. And um, we in the fall we coach both the 16 team and the under 18 team, and and we both kind of co-head coach them. And and we have a blast doing it. The kids have a good time. We do about three four tournaments each. And, you know, this past year we, we won a 16 year old tournament, but, um, it's, it's a great situation for me because I get connected with all these kids, um, you know, 40 to 60 high school kids that, you know, throughout the whole year and we get to work with them, see them develop. And it allows me kind of those months, um, from November through February where I can be with my own son who's six and I'm coaching his, you know, youth teams as he grows up. So it allows me to be with him too. So it's kind of the best of both worlds right now. How do you think that hockey has changed for the better or worse since, you know, the days of you starting in Pennsylvania? Well, I think it's a bigger following. Uh, you know, I saw what happened in Pittsburgh with, uh, you know, the, the wave of new players, uh, more ranks, more AAA teams, more local in-house teams, all that. And it's, um, you know, Pittsburgh took off and I'm seeing it happen here in Columbus. It's, uh, you know, 10, 15 years later and the same things happen. Um, it's just, it's remarkable the amount of new players. Um, you know, to be honest with you, Columbus is at the point now where I think we need more, more arenas. We don't have enough rinks for the kids. Um, the, the Kaha organization up at the Chiller North in uh, Lewis Center, um, north of the city, it, it's, we had so many young kids sign up the past two years. They kept extending the amount of mini mites and it was like 140 or something. I mean, they went to 160 and then this past year, uh, it, it sold out. It, it was full, filled in like uh, 13 hours. There was people on the waiting list. So they, they, we had over. It's like, it's like a Led Zeppelin concert. Yeah. We had <laughs> over 200 kids signed up for, you know, first, you know, year mini mites or whatever. And, and that just goes to so, and that was happening with all the organizations here. And that, it just goes to show you that it's, it's, it's expanding so much and it's really is becoming such a hockey city here. And, you know, and a lot of it has to do with the success lately of the, of the jackets. Yeah, you know, you can't, you, you definitely can't deny the fact that when you have a pro team in a, in a city that does well, I, I use this example all the time, St. Louis, their, their youth organizations, it, it, they're phenomenal right now. I mean, you think about 20 years ago, they, they didn't have any ho good hockey in St. Louis. It's booming now over there. Columbus, you know, we talk about, you, you talk about the pre-post and the high school level. 
the Columbus high school level is, is becoming even with the Toledo's and the Cleveland's now. And it never was that way back 20 years ago. So having those successful pro programs, but also having people like yourself, RJ, running those programs that people trust and, and you guys are doing a hell of a job with that, that, that helps. Well, I think this, situ- this uh, area, Central Ohio, is, is becoming very lucky with the fact that um, you're getting a lot of Blue Jacket players that want to stay in the area now. Right. Um, they retire. They live. So our alumni group is growing. Um, it's up to probably about 13, 14 players that are living in a city now. And then, then you have the uh, Buckeyes. The, you know, the Buckeye players are staying here. And, and all these people are, are getting involved not only because they have kids and their kids are in, in the program, so they want to be, but they are getting involved because they want to be involved and they want to see hockey here in Central Ohio, you know, keep improving. So you have all these influences in youth hockey right now, and it's it's so great to see. Um, you know, the kids are, are very lucky and very fortunate to have this type of mentorship in, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, I, I can't say that I had that much when I was I was young. I had a, a few good coaches, but I mean, I was we weren't, you know, didn't have a pick of you know NCAA or pro coaches. Like it's 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 crazy. You right. Know, it's, it's it's very great to see this here right now. Yeah, you know, it is it is so. So I guess one thing, the last question and that we're going to uh, keep you here. Um, what, what do you think we can do, or all of us in this game of hockey, uh, we can do to grow the game in a state where other sports like wrestling, football, basketball dominate uh, in our state? How can we make it? How can we get hockey to grow? Well, I think, you know, I think it's on all of us to keep talking about it. Um, things like this, a podcast helps, you know, keep, get the buzz out there, keep talking, um, you know, just keep introducing young kids to the game. And, um, there was, uh, something I was going to mention. I had a, um, oh man, can't think of it, but they they call, they call that COVID brain. Yeah. 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 No, it's called concussion (laughs) brain. Too many hits to the head. Don't, don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) No, but it's, um, it's, it's just, you know, getting these kids involved and, um, you know, having them experience hockey and, and taking them to, I mean, taking them to a, a Buckeye game. If you can't afford going to a, a Blue Jack game, take them to a Buckeye game. It's great. I mean, they have a big arena. Let's fill that thing. Let's get the, get the word out there. Um, just keep, keep talking about hockey. RJ, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us and joining us. Uh, you know, you know, we look forward to, uh, we're all in Cleveland here. So when you come up and you, you know, your teams are playing like a team Ohio or whatever, uh, reach out to us. You know, we'd love to come and, and go to the rink and, and, you know, support not only team Ohio, but you guys as well. And uh, just the growth of the game. So uh, thanks for what you're doing on there. Again, thanks for coming on and joining us and talking to us about your career and everything that's going on with hockey and um, appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime guys. It's a pleasure. couple great interviews today first one with Lindsay wallace from the buckeye nation uh, the women's wcha uh champions and number four in the nation team great to catch up with Lindsay and everything that she's doing uh not only hockey wise and and i really really you know i, I wanted to get a little bit more into her uh you know travels and how she got there but man she's got a lot going on an impressive impressive resume that she's building and and you know jay you and i have known Lindsay. Uh, we coached against her during in high school and we've known her just to be such a solid person and, and gracious athlete. And, you know, that just absolutely shows again today when what a great, uh, like I said, resume she's continuing to build. 
I think it, it was it was obviously telling that you know she said she doesn't see herself as a role model. She's just doing what she does, and in doing that, she is a role model. And yes, we we've known her probably since she was in eighth grade, and and she's always been competitive, and she's always been gracious with her time, and and just friendly, and and the fact that she walked on at Ohio State, and you know the team welcomed her, she welcomed them, and and they're number four in the country, and they're just sky's the limit in the NCAA. And then you add on her ROTC and her vet training and everything else. She she's doing it right, man. And she she's going in the right direction and she's gonna be successful at anything she touches. Yeah, and and uh, you know, we definitely wish, you know, Lindsay all the best. As we do all of our guests, but you know, a little bit more personal here with Lindsay, we definitely wish her all the best and and we're gonna keep following her. Uh, not only in her hockey career, but also whatever she does after that. So um, I can tell you this, the Ohio State Buckeyes are lucky to have her. Our U.S. Army is lucky to have her. And some animal lovers are going to be lucky to have her as their vet as well. Absolutely. It was also good talking to R.J. Umberger and his career, and, you know, in Columbus and Philly and, uh, and then back to Columbus, uh, you know, started off with the Buckeyes and then and then end up back in Columbus. So it was good to talk to RJ and he really, really gave us some a good insight on um, a guy that grew up in the Pennsylvania area and that really never left the corridor of Pennsylvania and Ohio uh, during his high school uh, Michigan, you know, he was at the Michigan and Ann Arbor, but never left this corridor here. Uh, and then, you know, made a very good career for himself. The uh, one of the things he said was how family and his circle was so important to him and, he lucked out in that he never had to be far away from home. You know, it was, it was interesting to hear how his pro career got all started with, with the business end of, of hockey rearing its ugly head, if you will. But, you know, he, he made the best of, of a bad situation. It, it turned out fantastic for him. And he, he's just a, a, a gracious individual. Uh, we were blessed with his time. He always goes out of his way to help. And now in his, his next endeavor here with coaching in, in Columbus, uh, those kids are lucky to have a resource like uh, RJ down there. And it was a, it was a cool interview and, and he was fun to talk to for sure. Absolutely. And, and like you said, those, those young men and, and women that he works with down in Columbus, very, uh, very lucky to have him. And, and uh, you know, so is that organization that he works for. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast is brought to you by the Columbus Chill Youth Hockey Association, the largest and most complete youth hockey program of its kind in central Ohio. Go to ccyha.org for more information. Well, I heard it. I don't know if you heard it, Jay, but the bus just fired up. We got to head up back north. We got to go up 71. That'll do it for episode nine of On Air. We'd like to thank our guests, Lindsey Wallace from the Ohio State women's hockey team and RJ Umberger from the Columbus Blue Jackets and Philadelphia Flyers, as well as a Buckeye for joining us. Check us out next week for the dime episode. We'll be sitting down with the final two members of the season's high school final four. We'll be joined by legendary coach from Gilmore Academy, head coach, John Malloy, and from St. Ignatius high school, head coach, Pat Rourke. You can find the on air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes, archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to on air on Spotify and Apple podcasts. Continuing to grow the game the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.